Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. My name is Ryan. And I'm Rosie. How are you doing, Rosie? I'm good. I'm chill. Today it was 76, a slight breeze in the air and sunshiny. I brought my kiddos down to the river where we walked, found a baby turtle, and saw the boats. Aww. It was cute. a nice time. It was That's really very nice time. sweet. My little guy also uttered that he loved me. Aww. And so. I'm three months into this job, and I was just like, <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> You're really starting to getting become it, part of the family. A little bit getting attached. I'm getting pretty attached, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you find that it uh, it quenches your need to be a mother? Yes. If you even have one. <laughs> like. I found my forever It kind of fills your... It definitely does. Instincts, motherly instincts. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I'm really glad that you've found... A job that you like. Um, before we jump into this week's story, we need to thank some of you for the amazing love you've shown mm-hmm. us this past few weeks. We've gotten so many sweet emails and messages. I know. And comments. Like our anniversary picture. I know. But so many of you said a happy anniversary and were so sweet to us. We really appreciate that. Yeah, it was really nice. And we also... Want to thank our new patrons, mm-hmm. Terry. Yay! Thank you, Terry. Fran, Fran, thank you so much. And Rachel, thank Rachel. you. Thank you. We appreciate you guys. And there's a few more we're waiting to hear back from. So if you recently signed up as a patron, check your messages on Patreon um, and reply to me. So we we just like to make sure it's okay for us to give you a shout out because some, some people, people do say no. Yeah. Which so, is fine. Mm-hmm. And one more thing, it's very important. We want to thank Addie Gory <laughs> for the nice email. I think that's how you pronounce your name. I think so too, yeah. Please let us know if we said it right. Um, she says, hi, people. <laughs> so thank you for that, Addie. Uh, let's share a five-star review quick before we get into it. Sounds good. You want to read it? Yeah. It's titled, New Dedicated Listener. It says, I absolutely love this podcast. Your personalities shine through, and your interactions between each other and fan communication is great. Content is amazing, and you do a great job at presenting it. I am glad I have episodes to catch up on. Keep them coming. It's from Steffi G. 2020 from the United States of America. Thank you so much, Steffi G. Oh, super sweet. Made our day. Well, five star reviews always make our day. I yeah. think. <laughs> I really appreciate appreciate it when they you appreciate say it. The, <laughs> yep. 
when they say they like our personalities shining through in the podcast because I know a lot of reviewers are like, shut up and just give us the information. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you just want the information, go read Wikipedia. Go read a book. Like, we're not just <laughs> telling stories. We're also giving commentary and, you know, just hanging out with the people that are listening to us. So mm-hmm. thank you to everyone who does tune in and listens to us talk every week. We appreciate you guys. And thanks again, Steffi. This episode of Voice of the Victim podcast is supported by Best Fiends. We talk about a lot of difficult stuff on this show, and right now there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, and a good way to get our minds off of that can be playing games. You've heard us talk about Best Fiends before. It's a fun app-based puzzle game that helps us unwind after talking about these difficult topics. Best Fiends tells a story in the world of Minutia that is engaging and casual at the same time. Right now on Best Fiends, a fun challenge to play is the annual Minutian Luau. The point of the challenge is to collect lays, and then you get awesome rewards like free gold. For me, it also helps to keep my brain active while I'm waiting for audio files to process or when I just have downtime. Mm-hmm. It's so nice because you don't need the Wi-Fi to play it. So like we just went on a road trip to Door County and it could play it on the way. And on top of all this, the game is really nice to look at and it features bright colors and cute characters and it never gets old because they update the game every month with new levels and events. Yeah, it's literally always changing. So even if you haven't been on it for a while, it doesn't matter because there's something new waiting for you. So engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. So now that we got all that out of the way, uh, this week we're sharing a relatively recent story. It's something I hadn't heard about up until this past couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just as huge of a story, in my opinion, as George Floyd. You know, it's something that's gotten more attention since the George Floyd story. There was just nobody to share it. Yeah. The way that the George Floyd case was able to. Yeah. I mean, people were sharing it, but it wasn't like blowing Mm -hmm. up. But her 27th birthday was actually just this past Friday, and I saw uh, an article about that. But sadly, her family wasn't able to celebrate it through this year because her life was senselessly taken. But I think it's important to share this because it's really messed up. So, um, Rosie, you ready to talk about it? Mm-hmm. Brianna Taylor was born on June 5th, 1993 in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Her parents were Tamika Palmer and Troy Harrod. She grew up there with her parents and attended Western High School just east of Parma, Michigan. After high school, she moved to Louisville, Kentucky and studied at the University of Kentucky. She settled down in Louisville and went on to become an EMT. Or emergency medical technician. Um, So she was a first responder and She was also very social and loved getting together with her friends and family. She was a real go-getter personality um, and was always working to improve herself and help others. And I mean, to do a job like EMT, that takes a lot of determination because it's not an easy job having to be on call like that and Mm -hmm. deal with such stressful situations. So you really got to care about people 
right. to be in a job like that. Brianna had met a man named Kenneth Walker, and she'd grown very close to him. Soon they began dating, and it got so serious that they eventually moved in together. Brianna eventually started working full-time as an ER technician for Norton Healthcare, where she still worked in March of 2020. Which brings us to March 13th, 2020. Um, so that's the day that most of the story took place. It was just before 1 a.m., so it's the middle of the night. Most people are asleep, but unlike this past coverage of George Floyd, we don't have camera footage to show us what happened. We just have um, basically the accounts of the people that were there. And, I mean, considering the past couple of weeks, it's uh, it's something where certain accounts might not be 100% reliable because of the bias that's involved. And, um, well, let's just get into it and you'll figure out what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Police say that they were investigating two men suspected of selling drugs. And these men had used the home where Brianna Taylor lived with her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, as an address to receive packages. Again, this is what the investigators claim. Um, But they say that the suspected drug dealer, Jamarcus Glover, was seen walking into the home where Brianna lived on an afternoon in January carrying a USPS package. And then after that, he left and drove to a house that police knew was being used for drugs. Again, this is just according to what they say. So keep that in mind. They also said that the U.S. Postal Inspector confirmed that the drug dealer had been receiving packages at this address. So they took this information and got a signed warrant to search the known drug house as well as the Taylor Walker home. And this wasn't just any warrant. It was a no-knock warrant. So they apparently suspected that Glover was storing either narcotics or proceeds from the drug sales inside the Taylor Walker home, um, which brings us to that morning on March 13th, 2020. According to the police, Sergeant Jonathan Mattingly and plainclothes officers Brett Hankinson and Miles Cosgrove announced themselves at the front door of the apartment knocking several times before using a battering ram to bust down the door. Again, this is 1 a.m. Most people are either asleep or incredibly groggy, but some of the details of this account get muddy. A lot of them. Yeah. And so take this description, this first description with a grain of salt, because later we're going to listen to actual, the people actually describe what happened. Mm-hmm. when they were there and kind of try to pick it apart and see what we really believe. So, um, yeah, I guess that's all I have to say right now. The police officers claim that they were immediately met with gunfire from Kenneth Walker and feeling threatened, they shot back, unloading more than 20 rounds into the apartment, hitting objects in the living room, dining room, kitchen, hallway, bathroom, and both bedrooms. So not very precise with their gunfire. And this isn't inside an apartment. These are police officers shooting blindly into a residential apartment. I mean, bullets go through walls. 
So it's terrifying to think about that bullets were flying into an apartment that's connected to other residences and there's people in the apartment Mm -hmm. and the reason they're there is for drugs right like not something that's life-threatening like immediately right it's something that they aren't even sure about yeah but i don't want to go down that rabbit hole yet because we'll get into it later um but it's just terrifying to think about that this was happening Mm -hmm. and they say it was in self-defense after walker opened fire on them so we want to warn you now, this is about to get disturbing um, as we talk about the aftermath of this gunfight. After the mayhem and gunfire, Brianna Taylor, who had been at the home sleeping in her own bed, was found with eight gunshot wounds. She was pronounced dead on the scene. So... I mean, she didn't even have a chance. Not with the way they were shooting. No. She was in her own bed, sleeping in her own home. That's really well put. I don't even know what to say. It's just ridiculous that this was the outcome of a drug raid, a no-knock warrant. Um, But it kind of got shrugged off as quote-unquote official police business. You know, for the police officers, all in a day's work for a DEA agent or whatever they were, Hmm. you know. And that's kind of the attitude that the police officers seemed to take after it all went down. Hmm. Um, Which is disturbing to me because there's no reason they should be shooting blindly into an apartment. Right. But, um, yeah, you want to continue? Mm-hmm. After this, Kenneth Walker was arrested and charged with first-degree assault and attempted murder of a police officer. They say that he shot first and injured an officer, and their actions were just a response to that. But Brianna Taylor was dead. I mean, that's the bottom line. So they must have had some serious dirt on her and Kenneth to justify executing a no-knock warrant, right? I mean, no-knock warrants by design have almost a guarantee to be met with resistant and turn violent if the person inside is armed, you know? So they must have been knocking out a part of the cartel to justify that amount of violence, right? Like, like what amount of drug bust could it would it have to be to justify this amount of violence it would have to be huge mm-hmm. I mean in my opinion I guess but n- no what what did they find they found nothing no drugs or anything related to drugs were found in the apartment so this is horrifying There wasn't even illegal activity happening in this house. And, in fact, Brianna, like we mentioned, was a first responder herself. She was an upstanding, hardworking citizen. And now her life was just randomly taken from her because of this um, unsubstantiated suspicion. And not only that, but, Rosie, what else did they find out? (sighs) Well, Tony Gooden, the postal inspector for the actual office that delivered the mail for Brianna and Kenneth, 
He said that when he was asked to investigate this address back in January by another agency, his team concluded that there were no packages of interest being received at that address. And that's what he reported. His office was never contacted by the specific investigation that led to the death of Brianna Taylor. He also said that if any other postal inspectors had found something suspicious at this address, it would have been inappropriate for them not to report it to him. So where the heck did the police get this verification? Of course, the police declined to comment on that. So I'm not trying to paint an anti-police narrative here. And don't please don't ever take what we say that way because like we talked about last week, there's bad apples in every bunch. But even if this house was being used for drug trafficking, even if these people were drug dealers, how can you possibly justify this amount of force? I don't think you can. I don't think you should be able to. I mean, she was shot eight times defensively, like you mentioned. And she, she was sleeping in her bed. Like, I just, how was she ever supposed to even, like, say she was guilty of their charges? Yeah. When she was in her bed in her house at 1 a.m. in the morning. Well, yeah. And the bottom line comes down to the facts that there were no drugs and she's dead. Like, those are the two undeniable pieces of evidence that really skew this one way. Um, so to me, even with the facts that the police were working with here, their reaction seems way over the top. Mm-hmm. And now this woman's dead. She was a daughter and a niece and a friend to so many people. And she made a difference in the community because she had a job that's essential mm-hmm. to society that we need, and she was good at it. But now she was senselessly taken for no reason. No reason at all. And the police justification is just that they had a mild suspicion of the house being used to traffic drugs. And they say the postal inspector confirmed it, even though he denied that later. And also, they say this was self-defense. Why would you shoot 20 rounds of ammunition into an apartment blindly in self-defense? total control of the situation. Total control. Um, I will mention that one of the officers did get shot in the femoral artery. Well, then... Which is, I think, in your leg? Yeah, it is. I mean, according to all the accounts, Kenneth only shot one one bullet, and that one apparently landed in the officer's leg or wherever. It's the leg, I'm pretty... I thought it was, like, his calf area. Okay. But... I mean, by the end of all this, obviously, they were more focused on the police officer's injury Mm -hmm. than the fact that they just murdered this woman. So, like I said, there are other accounts that contradict certain things that we just talked about because we're kind of, we kind of just shared the official story or what the police said happened and then inserted a bunch of comments in there, but they weren't wearing body cams. You know, they were plainclothes cops. And we obviously need to be more skeptical skeptical of police right now because even when there is body cam evidence, they'll still give contradicting reports. And again, I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush here. I'm talking about corrupt police officers, not police in general. But, I mean, it's obvious that it's possible for them 
to make a report that makes them look better. According to Kenneth, when the police were knocking, he yelled multiple times, Who is it? Which you would do. I mean, put yourself in that situation. It's one in the morning. You wake up in a panic uh, to someone banging on your door, and you're shouting, Who is it? And not getting an answer. And you're a licensed gun owner, and you're freaked out, so of course you're going to want to defend yourself especially if you don't know who's on the other side of the door, and then your front door busts open, busts off the hinges, what would you do? I mean, mm-hmm. it's he, Kenneth did what I'd expect anyone to do right. in this situation. Kenneth admits that he did shoot first because he said that they didn't announce themselves, and apparently other neighbors also dispute the claim that the officers identified themselves. And it, Again, we don't have any footage, but, I mean, I wonder if police would have motive to claim that they announced themselves. You know, that's an easy scapegoat after everything that happened. Well, they knew who it was. He shouldn't have shot us. But there's no proof. And the neighbors also back up the claim that they didn't identify themselves. So it feels like a small detail, um, but also why would they go to the trouble to get a no-knock warrant if they planned to announce themselves, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. It obviously takes more determination to get a no-knock warrant than just a regular search warrant, you'd think. And why would they execute it at 1 a.m.? Right, that's the part that I'm so confused. Like, I feel like you shouldn't be able to execute that kind of warrant at the middle of the night like how yeah. disorienting I mean I totally think that 1am no knock warrants are a good thing to have for like serial killers or murderers that they know they have undisputable evidence that this is the person that's sure. guilty right. and they want to catch them before they run but for a suspected drug house which mm-hmm. has no evidence or shaky evidence at the most just do a surprise knock and talk during the day with a regular warrant so they're not f- feeling physically threatened it's not like they'll be able to hide drugs if it's a surprise if you just pop in you know right but for some reason they felt the need to make this more like a surprise attack in the middle of the night i mean there's no other way to define this it's just that's it is what it is one anonymous witness even claimed that one of the three officers had fired blindly into a window with closed blinds from outside of the apartment again blind firing like how is it ever okay as a trained police officer to fire at a target you can't see I mean it's your duty to serve and protect and Again, this investigation was focused on drugs. But what the officers ended up doing here caused way more damage to the people they're supposed to protect than what the drugs would have done, which leads to my next point of issue. Rosie, what is that? Well, as of the recording of this, there are still no charges against the officers who shot eight rounds into Brianna. In fact, they weren't even fired. They were just put on administrative reassignment. So, the fact that there are no charges 
and barely any consequences here is basically the department saying that what these officers did was just fine and let the cycle continue. It's enabling officers in the future that, you know, corrupt officers that want to abuse their power to use the same amount of force and ridiculous tactics just for minor crimes that they don't really have solid evidence for. And, um, you know, it's it enables corrupt officers to abuse their power, which right. is the problem. Because I don't think any one person should have this amount of power. Mm-mm. But now back to Kenneth Walker. Mm-hmm. What kind of consequences did he face for acting the way really any human would in this situation? Walker was charged with first-degree assault and attempted murder of a police officer because they claimed that they announced themselves and were immediately shot and injured. But Walker's lawyer said that from Kenneth's perspective, someone was entering his residence illegally, and he acted in Mm self-defense. Again, this is his home. He should be able to feel safe there. And he wasn't involved in illegal drug activity. So he wouldn't be expecting the police to show up there raiding his house because he's not doing anything wrong. And he says they didn't announce themselves, which was corroborated by his neighbors. And he's being woken up at one in the morning. Yeah. No one thinks clearly when they wake up. But in my opinion, he did by trying to defend him and his girlfriend. Well, okay, he does say that they were kind of still awake watching TV, like laying in bed watching well, I'm sure TV. They were groggy. One yeah, exactly. But I don't know if they were like in a dead sleep, but that doesn't really change the situation. Like you just said, it's one in the morning. Um, let's see here. So the police, on the other hand, they claim that although they got a no knock warrant, they randomly decided just before executing the warrant, that they would knock and announce it, even though it's one in the morning. Well, how nice They decided, you know what? We went to the trouble to get this no-knock warrant, but we <laughs> are going to knock and announce ourselves because we're just, we're just that nice. But if that's true, why show up in the middle of the night? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt that by executing the warrant the way they did, they are the ones instigating this high-stress situation, and they should be prepared for anything as soon as they break down the door because they're essentially breaking and entering a private residence. And in my opinion, like I said, no-knock warrants should be reserved for serial killers and murderers who have mounds of evidence against them, not a home suspected of being used for drug packages with, without any real proof. I mean, how scary is that? Like, what if someone who knows your schedule was using your address for something like this and then just taking the packages before you get home and you had no idea about it? Like, unless you have surveillance on your uh, front step and you can see this happening, you would have no idea about this. And then suddenly you could be on a list to get a middle-of-the-night no-knock warrant, police breaking down your door and you have no idea what's going on. That's insane. So, obviously, it's pretty clear what my issue is with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm try- I try really hard not to be biased, but in this situation, um, just working with the 
what we know so far, which this is still under FBI investigation, by the way. I don't know why. We've already figured it out. But. Well, <laughs> I wish that they would have had body cams. I don't know how in March of 2020 police officers were able to do this with no body cams because the body cams are just as much to protect us as it is to protect them, you know? Later, even more evidence came out that, to me, validate Kenneth's story. Kenneth had called 911 right after the incident, and we're going to play the audio from his call. But again, we want to warn you that it's very disturbing and so heart-wrenching to listen to, so please be prepared. 911, Operator Harris, where is your emergency? heard this before it was still just as disturbing mm-hmm. the second time just to hear the distress that he's in but i mean we'll let you draw your own conclusions but what do you think rosie it's just i'm i don't know that is such a heart-wrenching phone call and you can clearly hear that he is so distraught and in dismay and can't believe what's happening. Like, yeah. he sounds so disoriented. Does it sound like he knew that it was police? No. He sounded scared. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the sticking point for me is that was such genuine distress, and he had no idea it was police even after they left because they went back out to their cars after this incident and they were kind of gathering their composure. But Kenneth's just 
destroyed here. It's so sad. And that's the main reason I played it is because you can really hear that he doesn't know mm-hmm. what just happened. Like, as easy as it is to see, to read an article and, oh, the police were at his door, why the heck did he shoot? Well, you put yourself in his situation and really think about it and consider everything that led up to it. You can understand how this happened. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to listen to the accounts of that night that Kenneth gave um, to the police, and then we're also going to listen to one that the police officer gave, the one that got shot. And we'll just play them side by side here. All right. Loud bangs at the door, um, and you all are yelling, "Who is it? Who is it?" You know that kind of thing. Um, how many? You know about how many loud bangs there was. So this is, he's being interviewed by an investigator right here. So. Right. So first it was dum, 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 dum. Okay. I'm like, what's that? So now we're getting out putting on clothes. Yeah, y'all are in bed. Yeah, so yeah. we're getting out putting on clothes. Naked, pretty much. Yeah, okay. so when we get up, all right, I probably get my pants on. Mm-hmm. She probably gets some pants on, then it's nothing like me. Dum, 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 dum. She's like, who is it? Right. Like loud. Yeah, still be. in the bedroom. So according to Kenneth, um, Brianna was awake mm-hmm. at the time, and she was the one yelling, "Who is it?" So still in the bedroom, because okay. we're trying to get on, trying to get decent to go answer the door, right. whoever is, it may be. Is the bedroom that first bedroom on the left down the hallway, or is it- so? See, we hear Kenneth describing what's happening, and he keeps being interrupted to ask completely irrelevant questions. Right. It feels like, I mean, I understand they want to get all the details, but like, let him tell the story first and then ask for the details. Right. And, you know, but I mean, this is a contrast to what we saw with the Chris Watts investigation where they were just really skilled mm-hmm. at what they were doing. Mm hmm. on the right, I didn't make it all the way down there, but it's all straight back. Straight back. You come in the door. Right. You just keep on walking straight, and you're going to end up being okay. all the way down the hallway. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. So, so after that second loud bang, uh-huh. where she's still yelling, "Who is it?" Like I said, I grabbed a gun. Sure. So now we got enough clothes on. I still didn't make it even put shoes on or anything. I don't have anything on. So, yeah, no, I said yeah. So after I grabbed that, we start walking towards. The, the door to go see who it is. Another loud bang. Well, not really. I don't even know if it's another loud bang, but... Am I, I the only one that's frustrated by I, how much this investigator is talking? I feel like he's being disrespectful. He like, is. He's dismissive. He's super like, yep, sure. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool. Brianna's okay. the one that died here. And the... And I should mention, this is when Kenneth was being charged for assaulting a police officer and attempted murder of a police officer. And even though his girlfriend was just murdered for no reason in their home, Mm -hmm. he's the one being charged. Right. Right. And then he's being treated so disrespectfully and dismissively. Like, why do these people think they're above him? Especially when there was no evidence of a crime. Mm Mm-hmm. 
the doors coming in when we got to the doorway to go see who it is the doors coming in the doorway like in like are you dead? the doorway no we okay. never made it past past the back past the room you mean that, the bedroom doorway we never made it past the second bedroom the second bedroom in the home that's on the left and there's a bathroom that's on the right if you're coming from the room we okay. never even made it like mid hallway okay if so you never made it past the bathroom no, if you saw okay. where her where her body was at, and I saw before I left, there was holes in the back wall, mm -hmm. like of the hallway, so you could see exactly where we were at, mm -hmm. like coming to the door. Right. But as we're coming to the door, the door like comes off the hinges. Okay. Like, but you you can't see anybody though. Like when the door comes off the hinges, it's just. It's happened fast, like it was like an explosion. Sure. You know, so boom, one shot. Then all of a sudden there's a whole lot of shots. We both dropped to the ground. But I just hear her screaming. Mm -hmm. You know, and Did you shoot towards the door or just like up in the air or like 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 towards the ground, really just right. like warning shots. So if it was somebody like they would run off or something, you know what I'm saying? Just like somebody's at this point somebody's breaking in in the home like we don't did you see anything when the door come off the hinges did you see anything at that point? no i couldn't see anybody it was dark there was no lights mm -hmm. out there so all we're hearing is these loud booms and we're saying who is it nobody's saying who it is and then the door gets kicked in where were you at where was where was she at where were you at when that shot was fired so say she she was right here right and I was right here. Is okay. this the other bedroom door? This is the other this bedroom the door right here. So it would be the bathroom and she's standing right here. And, up, and you're all's bedroom we just, back there. Yeah, we just okay. came out of the room. Yeah. She really came out first. But she was kind of like next to me, so I come out. Sure. And then the door gets kicked in. So I'm right here. Here's the other room. She's right here. So it was one shot, boom. Then the door is flying open. There was a whole lot of shots, so we both dropped. Right. But when I drop, I'm... You know, I'm right here closer to this room, and yeah. she's dead in the middle of the hallway. Okay. So any shots coming in don't have any choice but to go right there. So is you, are you right-handed? Yes. So you shot with your right hand? Yeah. So did you yeah. shoot before the door flew open? Yeah. Like, well, like, it was all in, like, one motion. Mm -hmm. As it flew open, like, like, boom, boom. Right. Like, it was, like, simultaneous. Kind of like that, like eye level boom. Yeah, not really. I feel like I feel like that ain't down. Ain't down a little bit. Yeah, like cause I wouldn't. Of course, I'm, I don't need to kill anybody if sure. you know if I could just get you out of here mm -hmm. just by you hearing that. So. Did you hear anything? Any other words? I mean, was anything being said at all when the door flew open? Or no. didn't hear anything? No. No, just the door coming open, and at that point, they're shooting, and she's screaming. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm on the ground, my feet are kind of into the other room at this point. So when it shots me one off, I'm scooting, like, oh. you know, and like I said, so when I let off the shot, and I dropped to the ground, the gun dropped, like, right here, and as I'm on the ground, like, I kicked it like that with my foot. Into that other bedroom yes. underneath that bed? Yes. There? Okay. Yes. Is that I'm her so, sister's room? That's her sister's room. Okay. And she's right here right now. She's in California. So, what do you think so far? I just, 
it just feels like they're going in circles here and like kind of the story is so like it's just laid out for yeah, them yeah airtight like, like he went through his story like three at least three times in this and I didn't hear any inconsistencies. Mm-mm. I mean, I'm not a detective, obviously, and I, you know, no expert, but it's usually easy to pick out inconsistencies when you're just a third party listener. And to me, he's telling the same story over and over again. I will point out that, um, according to the police, the first time he told the story to them, he said that Brianna fired the shot. But then later on, he said he changed. He told them he did it because he said she did it at first because he was scared. Is mm. what he said. So, I well, mean, I can understand why. Yeah, they obviously have like a huge target on his back. Exactly. Um, I did also feel like at first I thought that Brianna was shot while she was in her bed, but mm-hmm. then after hearing him tell the story that she was in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the problem with this whole case is that there's no body cam footage, there's no security footage, there's nothing that's substant or like undeniable proof of exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm inclined to believe Kenneth here. Right. Because he takes responsibility for firing that shot. And he, the shot he fired didn't kill anybody. He intentionally shot it downward so it wouldn't kill anyone. He just wanted... He just wanted them to, to go. Yeah, he wanted them to leave, injure them at most. Like, what are you supposed to do? Be like, this is fine. This is okay. Mm-hmm. Someone's trying to raid into my home at one in the morning, right. unannounced. And again, I'll keep bringing this up, but the cold hard facts are Brianna's dead and there were no drugs at the house. So that's two marks against the police that are just impossible to get to get past here. So wrong. And again, I know I keep saying this, but I'm not talking about police in general. I'm talking about these three officers that decided to execute this no-knock warrant in the middle of the night on a home with barely any evidence of possibly being used to traffic drugs. Mm -hmm. That's such a weak case for the police. But again, there's no charges on any of them, and Kenneth was charged. I I called my mom, and I told her that somebody just kicked in the door and shot Bree. So at that point when I called my mom, I still didn't know it was police. So I told her on the phone, somebody kicked the door. So I hung up with my mom's like, call 911 right now, call 911 right now. So I called 911. And I told them what happened. I'm still not knowing it's the police. Cause then I called uh Brianna's mama. I hung up on 911. I told them my name and I told them what happened and I told them where I was at. Then I hung up and I was like, I gotta go, I gotta go. So I called her mom. I called Brianna's mom and then I told her what just happened and when I was on the phone with her that's when I kind of realized that it was a police because now they're yelling like cut. And again, it cuts out there, but <sighs> Kenneth's story lines up with the evidence. Like he says, he called his mom after the police left and she told him, you need to call the police. He called the police. We heard the 911 call. 
you may have noticed at the end of the 911 call, he cuts out and then they try calling him back and he doesn't answer because then he's calling Brianna's mom, telling her what happened. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that phone call? Mm-mm. I just feel like that even gives more evidence to him being innocent because like, he was trying to do the right thing. He was calling his mom. He was calling Brianna's mom, yeah. listening to their advice. Like, What more do you want from him? I can't imagine being Brianna's mom and getting that phone call because it's so unnecessary what happened. And ugh, it's disgusting. But here we'll continue. There's one more clip of him talking and then we're going to play the police account. Man, it helped me to kind of understand something, right? Um, so I know you originally told, like, the officers or whatever, like, she shot the gun. Yeah, I didn't mean to. I was just scared. Like, I didn't want them to think that I was, like, on something way. That's, like, when I first came out and stuff. I had no reason to say, like I said, my gun's legal and everything. Like, clearly I was scared. Like, I don't know. Like, nobody announced herself or anything. Like, clearly... Like I said, me and her have no dealings with the police or whatever. So if I were to hear at the door, oh, it's the police, it changes the whole situation. Like, there's nothing for us to be scared of. Like, we were literally on the way to open the door. We couldn't open the door and say, hey, like, what's the problem? What's going on? You know, even if we were to, I would get detained or whatever for a second, I, I can talk to you. Like, I know I haven't done anything, and I know you have no reason to be looking for me. So there's no reason why I would be hostile at all. Only reason I even had the gun out, because we didn't know who it was. So if we knew who it was, then that, that would have never, never, never happened. I think that explains his actions pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean... Hey. When he said that about Brianna, it was like right after it all happened, and he was scared because, like you said, they immediately put a target on his back. Mm-hmm. They were going to do anything to get after him. And, like you said, if they would have approached it in a calm, kind way, the way that you would hope most professional officers would act then there wouldn't have been a problem. He would have respectfully let them in, been like, okay, well, I didn't do anything, so you're not going to find anything. But no, it went completely horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts before we hear the police? It's so straightforward. I don't have much more to say. Mm-hmm. You know? So this is Sergeant Mattingly. He's the, um, he was the leader of this little charade and he uh, is also the one that got shot so this is his account all right we're executing a search warrant for one of the other units up in cid uh things place based and um about 45 minutes before we executed the warrant i did a drive by with my camera had the eye on the house so i did a drive by the apartment just to get my own visual to make sure which door we were hitting um, when I came up to the door, there was a there's two apartments. It's the second door over, and there was a road rooter van right in front of it. And that's how we identified it. And it was uh, apartment four on the bottom floor on the right. So there's two doors looking directly at us, two on the side. It was the one on the inside on the right. Um, 
went back and we geared up and when it was time to when SWAT was, was doing their thing down at two four in Madison, we went over or Elliot, whatever it was. We uh, executed ours at the same time. I was the first car in and pulled up on scene. Uh, when we got there, there was a vehicle that hadn't been there prior to me coming through. It was a uh, around 2004 Toyota Sequoia. I think it was white or cream in color. I pulled behind it and I exited my vehicle. I went up and cleared that car to make sure nobody was in it since it wasn't there prior. prior. Um, at that time, I went around the front of it, cut between the cars. We made our approach to the apartment. Um, when you go up again, the doors on the right, there's a stairwell um, that goes right over the top of it. Um, I circled all the way to the back since I was gonna be the one knocking on the door. So it was basically in front of the back door of the other apartment. Uh, it's just uh, right beside it. Uh, when we all got up in line, I knocked on the door, banged on it. Um, we didn't announce the first couple because our intent was not to, to hit the door. Our intent was to give her plenty of time to come to the door because they said she was probably there alone. Um, so we, we determined, predetermined to give her plenty of time to come to the door. Banged on the door, um, no response. Banged on it again, no response. At that point, we started announcing ourselves, please, please come to the door. Please, we have a search warrant. Um, while we're doing this, there was a neighbor or somebody upstairs right on the staircase that started arguing with um, Detective Hayes and Lieutenant Hoover. And they were both giving him commands to go back into his apartment. And he kept saying, I wasn't really paying attention to what he was saying, something about leave that girl alone or something like that. Um, but while he was doing that, we were still announcing police, come to the door, police search warrant. And we banged, I probably banged on the door six, six or seven different time periods. Not six or seven times, but six or seven different different times. Which seems like an eternity when you're up at a door waiting. Um, it probably lasted between 45 seconds and a minute. Okay. Within 45 seconds to a minute, they were able to knock twice without saying anything. Then knock five more times, mm -hmm. separate occasions, announcing themselves and have an argument with a neighbor. And that was plenty of time for her. Exactly, plenty of time for her to wake up, get dressed, get dressed, get to the door. Mm -hmm. I mean, and they were they were rushing to the door, but. It still wasn't enough time for them. Right. Even though they were awake when they got there, they still didn't have enough time to get to the door. If she would have been awoken from a dead sleep, how is 45 seconds enough time for someone who has no idea what's going on? I mean, honestly, anybody could proclaim to be the police and knocking at a door. Yes. But does that necessarily mean that it's safe? I mean, oh. that could be a tactic used by murderers and robbers you know like i just don't yeah. understand why one o'clock in the morning was the prime time well and it has been used by people well people better watch out because i feel like that could be used in wow. a completely wrong way yeah that's a good thing to keep in mind but then if it is the police then you're at risk of getting your door blown off so either way and, you're screwed yeah but 
Uh, sorry to interrupt that. I just I had a nitpick with forty five seconds being plenty of time for her to get ready, even a minute, you know. And it's sad that her neighbor is out there saying, "Leave that poor girl alone," because the neighbor knows her a lot better than the police do. Probably right. They know her character. I mean, we know just by talking about who she was that she was a good person, and this should have never happened. I mean, this shouldn't happen to anyone, even if they are dealing drugs. It, it, this is completely unreasonable. So, okay, we'll go back to it. Banging on the door, and at that time I looked back at Lieutenant Hoover, and he says, I guess go ahead and hit it. Because at one point, probably after about the third time we banged, um, Mike was standing at the door, and he says, I can hear something inside. I think they're coming to the door. So we thought they were coming to the door. And then we didn't hear anything else, so we kept banging and announcing. And at that point, Lieutenant Hooper said, go ahead and hit it. So I looked at Mike and said, go ahead. Um, so he hits the first time and it hits right on the door handle and didn't, didn't move the door. And every time he hits, people are announcing, please search warrant, please search warrant. Second time he hits, he hits the good spot and it almost knocks the door open. You can see, I can see the deadbolt. Uh, at an angle, and I could see a crack in the door into the, leading into the apartment. So I said, uh, this one's going to go. So he hit the third time, and as soon as he hit the door, came out, they're yelling, please search warrant, please search warrant. Um, I go around the corner. I could see, I clear the, the living room on the right-hand side where you can see the, the uh, sliding glass door. As I turn the corner, um, as soon as I cleared the threshold of the, of the front door, I could see down the hallway, my mind just, your mind works so quick in the situation, it's unreal. Um, because as soon as I cleared it, I'm face on about probably 20 feet away, right down the hallway. There's a bedroom door on the right, and there's a the male and a female. The male's closest to the door, so it's to my right. And as I turn the, the doorway, he's in a stretched out position with his hands with a gun. And as soon as I clear, he fires, boom. And uh, it was almost like at the shooting range where two, two things flip at the same time. You got to shoot, no shoot. But, I mean, they were like shoulder to shoulder. My mind's going, this ain't right. You know, something's off here. Because all the doors I've, I've made entry, and I've never seen this. And uh, so I hit this corner, and it goes boom. And as soon as, the, as soon as the shot hit, I could feel the heat in my leg. And so I just returned fire. I got four rounds off. Um, and it was like simultaneous. Boom, 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 boom. And then I went back and went down on the side of the door and then reached around. I think I got two more off around the corner of the door. And then I could really feel the blood in my legs. So I reached up and felt it. My hand was full of blood and I knew it hit my femoral at that point. So I scooted back on my butt and I yelled at them, I've been hit my, I've been hit my femoral. And um, I scooted back and I think at that time Miles slid up. I'm not sure. I think he was over my left shoulder behind me. I'm not sure where he was standing. I know Tony was behind me. Mike was Mike was to the right of the door with the ram. It was Brett, Hoover, and Campbell had come up um, around the corner at that point by the stairs. So I'm assuming Miles was behind me because I think he was there in front of me. Um, and so I slid back on my butt to get out of the line of fire. And um, and for a second, I let go of my gun, and I realized what I did, so I reached out and grabbed my gun and pulled it back, and I was like, I can't stay here. So I stood up, and I shot, I hobbled out across uh, in front of the door, 
and went to where the curb is where you step off in between the cars. And I guess Mike Campbell had stumbled and I think he stepped back when, when the shots fired, I'm assuming, and fell off the curb. Because when I went to go through the cars, I looked down and was like, why? my mind's going, why are you on the ground? You know, then I tripped over him or fell off the curb or something. Um, at that point, I holstered my gun and scooted to the edge of the car, and then Hoover came up and grabbed my vest from behind and pulled me. Hmm. How come he is able to tell his whole story without any interruption, but Kenneth is constantly being stopped and asked questions? That's a really interesting question that I didn't even think of, Rosie. That's a really good point. And... Also, his storytelling is so much more boring. Like, uh, I hope mind, no one fell asleep while that was playing. My mind is my mind works so fast in these situations. It's amazing. I know that. Like, I totally get that when you're in these high stress situations, your mind's working fast. Like, I can't imagine being a police officer and having to deal with situations like this that you're put in, that you try to avoid at all costs. Like, these situations should be caused by uncontrollable uncontrollable circumstances for the cops. But in this situation, they were the ones creating Mm -hmm. the high-stress circumstance. Right. Which he had to give himself a little, you know, humble brag of how fast his mind works in that situation. Mm -hmm. Even though... His team killed a woman, a fellow first responder, EMT. That, in his thing here, that entire fact just gets swept under the rug. It's focused on how threatened he felt and that they were lined up like a firing squad when he broke the door down. And it's like... I mean, clearly these are two different stories because... He is extremely um, adamant that they announced themselves and that they knew it was the police at the door, even though, you know, Kenneth told a completely different story that he had no idea who it was, and his 911 call seems like pretty convincing evidence that he didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um Again, like, the facts, the bottom line is Brianna Taylor is dead. And, like, with 20 rounds of random fire in an apartment, that's a big space, you'd think. How do eight of them, almost half of them, end up in Brianna? You know? It almost seems like it could have been intentional. Mm -hmm. Intentionally aiming at her. Seems like it. Which, like, I mean, if she was screaming, who are you, who are you, did they just, like, snap at her? Like, I just don't... I don't think we'll ever know. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing, is that these officers should have been wearing body cams. Mm -hmm. And they should not have executed a no-knock warrant for a drug raid. But... I guess with the story he was telling, there was like a bunch of raids happening at the same time, or at least two. So I guess 
it wasn't just this team of three or five people or however many were there that decided to do it. It was like a big... Operation? Yeah. So I wonder who actually was in charge of this whole movement. And again, we don't have that information because right now this is being investigated by the FBI for charges against Kenneth. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if the police are being investigated right now. Kenneth was released from jail on May 22nd because of the coronavirus concerns. And by the end of the month, the charges were dropped. That's a step in the right direction. But still, he spent two months in jail Mm -hmm. for defending his home in an incident where his girlfriend was murdered. Right. On May 15th, Breonna Taylor's family filed a wrongful wrongful death lawsuit because of all the factors that we've already discussed. Obviously, they had a lot of pointers and a Mm -hmm. lot of concerns. It alleged that the officers entered Brianna's home without knocking and without announcing themselves as police officers. The defendants then proceeded to spray gunfire into the residence with a total disregard for the value of human life. There is an open FBI investigation into what really happened. Yeah, and I know I mentioned that they're trying to drum up more charges on Kenneth, but I guess I'm kind of... Um, misstaying it there. I think they are looking for the truth of what happened. So hopefully, I mean, that's what we all want to know is mm-hmm. the truth. And it's also worth noting that protesters have included Brianna in the list of people that deserve justice after a recent death of George Floyd, which we discussed last week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's. I think it's definitely worthy of being of getting justice. I mean, her family must have been just blindsided by this because she was such an upstanding citizen. She wasn't getting involved in crowds that are, you know, higher risk. You know, she was, she was really doing her part in society and pulling her weight. Right. So... The reason I really wanted to talk about Brianna Taylor's story this week is, um, like I mentioned at the beginning, I honestly hadn't heard of her until CNN published a story on her birthday just this past week, and I saw that charges haven't been filed yet, and this whole thing is just so sad and unnecessary. Another thing I haven't mentioned about the evidence is that the apartment I mean, you can look up photos of the aftermath in the apartment. It It's absolutely sprayed with bullet holes, just like everywhere. It's just, it was a reign of terror in there when it all went down. And Brianna has been taken from her family and friends. Brianna's family told NPR that she was someone who cared for others. She loves singing, playing games, cooking, and checking up on her friends who like to call her Brie. Her aunt, Bianca Austin, called her Mini-Me, and her uncle, Tyrone Bell, called her Breezy. She loved playing Phase 10 with her family, and she loved giving back to the community as an EMT, even though it was such a grueling job. Brianna loved making a difference in people's lives because she genuinely cared about people. Yeah, and last year... Her uncle suffered from a stroke, 
and she made a Facebook post that really spoke to her character. She said, Working in healthcare is so rewarding. It makes me feel so happy when I know I've made a difference in someone else's life. I'm so appreciative of all the staff that has helped my uncle throughout this difficult time and those that will continue to make a difference in his life. So, how could a person like her be accidentally killed in such a careless way and then casually written off the way it was? I mean, understandably, her family's angry, Mm -hmm. and of course they'd file this suit. Right. Because this just shows that she... She gave back more to society than she took, and she appreciated the services that are available, Mm -hmm. the people that helped save her uncle's life, you know? Her uncle, Tyrone Bell, said that he's cussed more since Brianna's death than he has in his whole life. But with the recent attention it's gotten with the protests, though it's hard for the family to be constantly reminded of it, they say that it means a lot to know that her story is finally being heard. Yeah, but again, even getting her story out there won't bring her back. And that's what the family really wants. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to go back and never have this happen in the first place. It's such an injustice, and it just feels like the officers are so nonchalant about it. Like, it's just another day in the life. It's just... (sighs) I feel bad for her family. And for Kenneth. On Friday the 5th, on her 27th birthday, Brianna's family arranged a public celebration in downtown Louisville where they released balloons and butterflies in her honor. Yeah, so that was just this past week. That sounds healing for the family, at least, to do something like that. And, I mean, as hard as it is for them, it really does mean a lot to see the support of the community for them, you know? Yeah. Because... I mean, this. I'm surprised this story isn't bigger than it is because. I am too. They're so blatant. Yeah. Huh. But anyway, we hope that, um, you know, you learned something from this episode. Like, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I haven't heard about it. Until this past week. Right, so same. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we helped some more people learn about it. Um, well, I think we'll wrap it up for the night. Do we have any cat news? <laughs> they got out yesterday. Oh, yeah. It was my fault. I It was a long day at work, and I got home, and I wasn't thinking, and I opened the window, but it was the side without the screen. It just like oh, yeah. absentmindedly was like, oh, fresh air. Yeah, and our win- we live in a basement, so our windows are like flush with the ground, so you it's quite nice, can literally actually. just walk out of them. So if you're a cat, like we had some some company yesterday, and they're like, oh, you guys let the cats out now, and I'm like, no. Well, yeah, like they saw the cats. By the way, social distancing party outside. <laughs> it was very small, and six intimate. feet apart. But um, when they got here, they saw one of our cats walking around outside, but they were like, huh, they must let their cats out now, which we don't because they're not outdoor cats. (laughs) And they get terrified and run 
in all different directions. But I'm sitting in, I'm standing in the hallway, and I look out the window, and I see Zook just strutting past the window like no big deal. I'm like, what the heck? Honestly, I think Zucchini Zook's- would be okay outside. Yeah, he would, but he still panics and just randomly runs sometimes. Well, I would panic if you were running after me. Well, I just don't <laughs> want them to run out into the street. Yeah. You know? but, but anyway, it was crazy. And then <laughs> uh, Burrito was in a tree, like right by the window that he came out of. He was in a tree just scratching the bark like a scratching post. I... I I think he was okay too. Like he yeah. was just like minding his biz. They were he was, and I feel bad. I would like to have a better situation in the backyard so they can go up more often. Catio. Yeah, like with a fence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Am I being too overprotective? Well, we'd have to start giving them all their shots and stuff. True, that's the other thing. Fleas and ticks and weird stuff mm-hmm. and rabies um anyway hopefully the cat news lightened the mood a bit after that terrible story orange quesadilla was like back in the house like a flash <laughs> like yeah. saw me done in the house <laughs> he's our little cottontail rabbit mm-hmm. I love it's him. a spirit animal <laughs> all right well thank you guys for listening And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye.